A warning for our listeners. This episode does contain elements and mention of murder, suicide, and self-harm. Some content mention is alleged and in no way deemed factual. This episode was written to provoke education and conversation on the subject presented. If you are experiencing suicidal feelings or thoughts of self-harm, please contact your National Suicide Hotline. For our American listeners, call 1-800-273-8255. It is a 24-hour, toll-free, and confidential hotline. You can also visit their website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org to chat online with a counselor. For our Australian listeners, call Lifeline at 131114 for 24-hour suicide prevention and crisis services. For our United Kingdom listeners, call 111 option 2 for mental health support and crisis prevention. We care greatly for our listeners and we want you all to remember that these episodes are simply conspiracy theories that we have researched in the hopes of bringing more awareness to them. We hope you enjoy this latest episode. I've got to, I've got to do two all. buttons. I have <laughs> I to do two buttons. All. I have to do both the video and the audio. Is Ryan yeah. crying again? <laughs> I'm always crying in your eyes. No, it's not in my eyes. It's uh. a fact. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Jod. <laughs> Are we all recording? <laughs> oh, I am. Baby, I've okay. been in 35 seconds already. Oh my god, I'm at 32. <sighs> it, uh, boys, are you recording? You know I am, I just no. cried about it. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> we'll just cut all this excess noise out, it's fine. We, I. <laughs> oh, are you crying again? Oh, Sorry. Shut the fuck up. Get on with it, Jessica. <laughs> Let me pass you the tissues, but please only use them for your tears and nothing else. Thank you. <laughs> oh my Hello, god. everyone, and welcome back to Jard. <sighs> oh my god. Hi. We're celebrating a very special day today. Today is Dougie's birthday. Happy birthday, Woo! Dougie! Wow, the shock from everyone here. Like, you guys are terrible friends. <laughs> Fuck me, I knew it was as well! <laughs> Fuck, I thought it was tomorrow! Well, oh, technically, for, I mean, for us, it well, is, it is. It's, it's currently Dougie's birthday for him. Yeah. I've been in it half an hour. I've been in it half an hour. Okay, happy birthday, Dougie! <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Me up. Happy birthday, Dougie! Thank you. Happy birthday! Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are, flushing us. I think it for your birthday. I think it should be the other way around, shouldn't it? Yeah, Dougie showed us showed us his <laughs> yeah. butt a few minutes ago. That was my birthday present from him. <laughs> so last week we got Amber's nipple. This week we had Dougie's butt. I'll almost show you guys my tits again next week. Like that one there time that I almost showed you guys a couple months ago. Yeah, that was very close. <laughs> it was just I'll almost show you guys again next week. It was just a little bit of side boob. 
That's... Side boob I mean, ain't never hurt anyone. I mean, I'm not that much no. to show you guys. I mean, if I turn sideways, I disappear. I'm that thin, so I can't really show you that much. No one's requesting anything from you, Ryan. Oh, <laughs> 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 no. uh, I'm just. Uh, I'll uh, request. I will request. I'm just you. kidding. <coughs> I'll request Ryan in his robe with his chest hair out. That's not Again. new. Again. <laughs> <laughs> at, least, at least it looks luxurious. That's, that's not a novelty. We get that like every yeah, week. That, that's a lot. You guys, you guys had to request that I put a shirt on now when we do the podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> Please, Ryan yeah. Powers, put it away. <laughs> So, how's everyone doing today? Oh, uh, yes. something something I forgot to say in in the group chat, but I can say now. Um, so my son said a new word today. Ooh, ooh, ooh. is it butt pussy? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, never mind. Go on. He did not say that. Um, <laughs> But he did say fuck. Um, well, technically, he Ooh. said he said the word fucking, and <laughs> he said it to his nana. And uh, <laughs> I don't did know he say it in the right context? I, I I don't know what context he was saying it in. I know that he was having a conversation with her, and he used the word fucking. And it probably was an emphasis to maybe something getting on his fucking nerves or something. I don't know because it's kind of how I talk. And oh, I was man. like, yo, look, I was like, don't even sweat it. I already know he heard it from me and I've been trying, but obviously not hard enough. So <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting all of my cussing out in this episode today. So I won't say it for the rest of the week. <gasps> Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> More work for me. Give me something to do in my downtime. Well, downtime, isolation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you want to bring that up? Yeah, well, I can do. Uh, keep it to a minimum, obviously, because we want to avoid it every week. But I'm ha- I'm a week in to my two weeks isolation period because, as you guys know, I was in close contact with somebody who has the virus, which was later revealed it was actually somebody I served at work, which is all fun and games. I was with them for near about an hour, and I was less well i was in a meter's distance if i was tailoring them i would have been right against their right against them as a person so that's fun it's only been seven days and i'm already going fucking insane um but it's good it's good trying to keep myself busy as best i can so yeah not much else to report on that one really well, then we cuss so all we want to. We got to give more. Your room yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am, <laughs> I am free to leave <laughs> my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, when the when I did start coughing, that was a bit of a worry. Um, and naturally, she was like, "You can fucking stay in your room. Like, you can. I'm locking you in basically from the ins from the outside." <laughs> uh, it, it, we, we, you know, we, we made jokes out of it. Just, we make a light of the situation, trying not to think on it too much. Um, but yeah, no, so if I do cough during the episode, you know, don't give me the shifty eyes. Like, I'm not thinking about it. It just did happen. <laughs> I may, but yeah. Well, that's two out of four that I've had a scare so far. 
Great. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so if you guys like our show, be sure to follow us on social media. <laughs> <laughs> our Instagram is at jarred.podcast. And Twitter is at jarred official. And I just remembered that we forgot to post again today. Oh, crap. Sadding. Uh-oh. It's fine. Oh. It's fine. Forget that. It's fine. Dougie, be quiet. You She'll don't, be you, right, don't mate. you don't post. She'll Shut be up. apples. <laughs> 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 so I guess it's my turn today. Yeah. I feel Am like I there's something else I wanted to mention. Oh right. Oh right. Sad news. Eddie Van Halen died. Yeah. So that kind of kind of goes along with my topic today. So yeah. I, I feel like every week it's someone else that we're coming on the show and we're like, oh, by the way, so-and-so yeah. died. I just thought that when you said that last week was, well, last week it was Trump had COVID. The week before that it was Ruth. What was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Thank you. Wasn't, wasn't there someone last week too or no? No, that was Trump having COVID. No, it was just it was just us celebrating Trump getting COVID. <laughs> I didn't celebrate. I just said he had it. <laughs> oh, I, it's I fine. <laughs> I'm just fed up, so it's fine. If it, 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 well, I I will say this, and I'll I'll shut up. I promise. Um, anyone listening, if you have not voted, please vote. And that's it. And don't vote for Kanye, please. Voice. Please. No matter no matter in which way you use your voice, use it. Go vote. You're not going to tell him not to vote for Kanye? Oh, I mean, don't do that. <laughs> is, he st- is he still running? Yes, he is. Is he on the ballot? I mean, I know he wasn't. I know he at least did not make it to the North Carolina ballot. I can't speak for any other states, but is he on any ballot? I saw an article today or yesterday about his name. No, he's not officially on the ballots, but people have been writing his name in. I saw him. Like a write-in. I saw a tweet. They do do give you the option. I saw a tweet that he put out. Um, He took a photo. I think it. I think it was of his friend's ballot card, like at the bottom of half, where it says, "Although like they'd written Kanye West," and he was. I don't know what he said, but I was just like, "Oh, oh, oh dear." (laughs) Just breeze by that. All I'm gonna say on the subject is that he, in the past, has endorsed Donald Trump. So I just feel like this is his kind of like long way around to get people to vote for Trump because essentially a vote for Kanye is thrown to Trump pretty much because it's a waste right. of a vote. So and somebody else say that as well. That's just my conspiracy theory. So <laughs> I don't think it's far off. On the subject it's... now, Jess, am I allowed? Am I allowed finally to ask you? What's your topic for today? I've asked you this is like the third time, and every other time you've told me to go fuck myself. <sighs> you make it sound like you've been asking me for like three months. You've literally been bombarding me tonight. Well, yeah, because I haven't known. I want to know. I mean, I guess I have to tell you guys sometime. But I've already mentioned it before in the past, so I am going oh! to be talking. What? No, I've realized. I think I've realized now. What do you think it is? Kurt Cobain? 
There you go. Finally, you're using all two brain cells that you got. I've got two. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two. Teamwork makes a dream work when it comes to those cells, man. I, I have, I have a like a sideline conspiracy theory that Ryan only has two brain cells actually, and one is me and one is Amber, <laughs> and that's it. And even combined, we don't account for much. <laughs> I'm not even going to argue that. I wouldn't even class it as brain cells. Jess is the devil. Amber is the angel on my shoulders. That's all you two are. <laughs> yeah. Amber just coddles. Bats. That's why you like her more. Shut up. <laughs> I can't, I can't Amber's like, it. oh, honey, you're so stupid. And I'm like, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, Amber's just, Amber puts it, you know, she sugarcoats it like, you're so pretty. Which is basically saying to me, yeah, I'm dumb as fuck. Whereas you just bluntly outright tell me. You're thick as pig shit. It's, <laughs> oh, it's so funny because it's true. I found it's it's more effective to get people to do stuff and to listen when you're mean to them. So that's my life motto. It's like it's t- it's it, that's Jess's form of tough love. But it's more just insulting love. Guess the job done though. It does. It's worked for years between <laughs> me and her. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna say it's gotten its job done with Ryan because we'll talk about that at a later time. But whatever. So anyway, <laughs> I ouch <laughs> that one. <laughs> Today. I am talking. Shut up. I'm talking. (laughs) (laughs) He's so small. (laughs) (laughs) Are you done? Me? Yeah. You look like a hamster down there. (laughs) Thank you. I'm Ryan's about st- to leave. Ryan's like, I'm gonna head out. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm I'm resi- I'm strong. I'm resilient. I'm <clears throat> so. Don't so give good. me that look. Don't give me that look. Don't give me that look. <laughs> it's called self confidence and self boosting. So anyway, yeah. <clears throat> I today am talking about. Kurt Cobain's death. And I'm not going to say his suicide because I'm going to let you guys decide. (laughs) That rhymed. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You already look like you want to break down. (laughs) Me or Jess? I have tried to piece this together in an orderly fashion and chronologically... I, my main goal is to not it's sound to like I'm bouncing around, and, like and it's not to blow up. up. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't want to sound like I'm, like, going back and forth. So I tried to assemble everything, like, in a timeline. So, is there anyone here who is not familiar with Kurt Cobain? Because if you are, you can leave. All right, see ya. 
Ryan raised his hand. <laughs> Ryan's leaving. <laughs> is Ryan really not familiar with Kurt Cobain? Because what I'm am I even doing be here? Really disappointed. Okay, I'm gonna give Can you context. I'm gonna give you context. Please. I know, I know of Kurt Cobain. Okay. Okay. Do I know the story? His, I probably know his music if I heard, if I listened to it. Um. I literally know of his suicide in quotes. That's it. I literally I know nothing else about the topic about him as a person. Nothing. I am. Very so you don't even know like the names of any of his songs. Smells like Teen Spirit. Come on, dude. You are oh, a nineties yeah. baby. This is what I mean. This is what I mean. I if I heard it, I would know it. But I don't know him that well enough to know the songs off by heart by just I... the titles. <clears throat> I, I grew up on that shit. Like, it, our two rock stations, when I was growing up in our city, it was 96 Rock and Rock 103, and my dad was always listening to one of those in the car when we were together, and it was always, they were always playing Nirvana. One thing, like, one thing or another by Nirvana is always on the radio. So, I, I mean, I would try to give you the benefit of the doubt for being born after he died, but, I mean, I didn't even really start remembering his music until after he died, so what's your excuse? But, I mean, like, even then, I like, didn't realize I had two brain cells. thought I only had one. You're welcome for this brand new information. <coughs> Thank you. Um, Amber, do you remember when he died? We were really young. No, I don't remember when he died. I, you know, I... Well, I mean, I, I will say I feel like I kind of remember my mom watching a little bit of it on like MTV News. Yeah, you know, same. When, when that when that was a thing. Yeah. And but I mean, it, it wasn't like enough for me to like understand. I just but. that's just it was one of those things growing up. Like we just it was something that followed us from the time that we could actually start remembering stuff. Yeah. Throughout childhood. Like, it's always been a part of our lives, pretty much. Right. We don't remember any part of our lives where he was alive. When no. was it? Basically. What, what year was it? 1994. Yeah, Dougie, you, do you remember when he died? Oh, not specifics. I do remember him dying. Um, I cannot remember. So, okay. like Any of the main details or anything like that. But Well, I'm just thinking yeah, about... I the, do remember when he died. Like, the difference between... Obviously, the impact was different between him and Princess Diana, but you remembered, like, the whole Princess Diana thing. Like, that was, a, like, a global upset. So, did it feel like it had a different or, like, way smaller impact when he died over in Australia? Oh, yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was more, yeah, we've lost another brilliant musician, stuff like that, um, but... Did you like his music? no it. I wasn't the biggest fan. I didn't mind it, but I was never the biggest Nirvana fan. Um, back then, I didn't really have much of a taste. I was all over the place. Not like now. But, um, yeah, no, look, they were, they were huge. And, yeah, it was a shock to everyone when he died. So... But apart from that, yeah, I don't really know specifics about it or anything like that. Well, I don't remember. 
Well, I'm here to learn ya. Learn ya? Cool. So, I wasn't really prepared for not everyone here to be, like, more familiar, Ryan. But... I feel like I just got I, called out in front of the class. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did my. I, I, I did a little bit of prep. I'm not going to dig into his earlier life as much as I did with Diana. I'm not going to like get into all that because that's very time consuming, honestly. So he was born in 1967. He grew up in Aberdeen, Washington, which. A lot of people from that area, I don't know if you guys overseas are familiar, but the Washington, Oregon area, it's very dreary, like constantly. Very rainy, very cloudy. It's like living in the UK 365. I was just about to say, like the UK. <laughs> rainy, dreary. <laughs> so, according to a lot of people he knew that lived in Aberdeen, it was rainy and dreary, whatever, like nine months out of the year, at least. And there was never anything to do, which also accounts for why so many popular bands came out of the Washington area in the early 90s in terms of, like, grunge bands. Like, you had Nirvana, you had Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, like, all these popular rock bands from the early 90s came out of that same area. Because they didn't have anything better to do other than sit inside and learn how to play, like, instruments. So, yeah, and his friends growing up, they said that it wasn't uncommon for people from that area to be depressed. It's like the way the weather was, everyone was depressed all the time, pretty much. I mean, that's so, because, I mean, we get like seasonal depression yeah. because we can't fucking go outside and get in the sunlight or, you know, fucking do whatever. I cannot imagine living somewhere like that. Like, if it's, like, gray outside, I just want to die. Like, I need sun. I, I cannot imagine living there at Sounds all. just like home. <laughs> cannot relate. Poor no. Ryan. <laughs> so, he had various illnesses and both physical and mental afflictions all like throughout his life he had chronic bronchitis and severe pain associated with a undiagnosed stomach condition and he struggled with alcoholism drug use depression and according to his cousin who was a nurse he also had bipolar disorder so there were a lot of times over the years where his stomach pain was an issue and, you know, he had been quoted as saying that he wanted to kill himself because of it. He was in so much pain. He felt suicidal over it. Like, he just wanted the pain to go away. And no one, like, he he couldn't get a proper diagnosis, I guess. But then finally, in December of 93, he did an interview and they asked him about his stomach pain and he said it had finally been diagnosed and he had finally gotten... A, an appropriate prescription by his doctor and the pain was gone like there was it wasn't an issue anymore so and also in from what i've seen none of his closest friends or family members ever described or considered him to be suicidal like even even with as angsty as he seemed to the public like to us little people like the fans he his closer people they just they did not 
see him as being suicidal or that kind of depressed. Hmm. A little background on Nirvana. Uh, It was founded in 1987, and they had their big breakthrough in the early 90s. And their first manager, he also said he didn't see Kurt as being depressed at all. And if anything, he was optimistic. Everyone described him. He was kind of, he was quiet, kind of timid, but he was really nice to be around. Like, he was a really nice guy, pretty much. Um, I'm trying to cut out the ums. I'm sorry. I'm trying, but I'm struggling. (laughs) (laughs) So, Courtney Love came into the picture. She, I think they originally met in, like, 87 or 89, but they were just, they were acquaintances. But they actually met a couple years later they started dating in late 1991 and i don't know how many of you here are familiar but she also had her own band hole which yep i did like one of their songs it was probably the only song they were popular for i don't even remember what it's called now yeah but yeah she was in her own band don't make me over. i'm done yeah <laughs> <laughs> They, I didn't realize the timeline of their relationship until I started digging into all this. <laughs> they started dating in late 1991, and then they got married in February 92. And then their first and only kid, a daughter, Frances, she was born in August of 92. So, dating, married, kid, all within like a year. Pretty much. Wow. That's insane. Bloody hell. Yeah. And whenever... I guess whenever they first took up together, it was more or less projected that she was going to become the superstar of the two of them. So, like, they they did the prenuptial agreement according to that projection. and But it actually ended up going opposite, and she kind of, like, fell back into the shadow, and he's the one that became the worldwide superstar. So not what she was expecting at all. Okay. They... Had a very, very up and down relationship. Very tumultuous. They initially they bonded over drug use, pretty much. They were both very regular heroin users. And by the time he died in April of ninety four, there had been a lot of talk about he wanted to leave her. He wanted to get a divorce. Like he just wanted to be done with it, pretty much. And Basically, if they got divorced based on their prenuptial agreement, she would get a very measly amount. Like, she wouldn't get very much money at all. Right. However, if Kurt were to die, she stood to inherit tens of millions of dollars, at least. So I've put together a little bit of a timeline. It's about... starts little over a month before his death. So on March 4th, Kurt called his and Courtney's entertainment attorney or lawyer. Her name is Rosemary Carroll. She's also Frances' godmother, their daughter. And he called her on March 1st to ask her to remove Courtney from his will. Then March 4th, just three days later, he overdosed on Rohypnol and Champagne in Rome, which I don't know how familiar you guys are with, you know, prescription names, but Rohypnol is roofies. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, according to uh, 
it's gonna be so hard to get these names. Courtney, according to Courtney, (laughs) 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 after that overdose, Kurt was in a coma for 20 hours, and I don't know how this worked out. He was in a coma for 20 hours and legally dead. I don't know. That's just what I read. I'll go ahead and say my sources. I got this from Wikipedia. I got this from, there was an article. It was live by live by uh, Bob Wilson. And I got some information from Soaked in Bleach, which is the documentary. And I think some of it came from Kurt and Courtney, the documentary as well. So there's that. Uh, So the Rome thing, Courtney said it was a suicide attempt and that she, he had, left her a suicide note but she burned it because she said it quote wasn't really nice and talked about divorce end quote so i'm sitting here thinking why is he talking about divorce in a suicide note i mean like yeah also too i just want to kind of bring up that an overdose with roofies sounds strange she claimed that I guess I think they were in a hotel room or something and she saw him munching the pills like he took like 50 or 60 of them according to her but I think whenever he got taken to the hospital it was actually confirmed that he did not take that many so I don't know that's just that that would just be an odd thing like if for someone who was going to attempt that for them to pick roofies just sounds odd you don't hear that a lot the rohypnol is actually a bit of a theme in this one in this story it it's this is not its first appearance so all right all right all right a dr galetta who was the doctor that treated kurt when he was in the hospital in rome told two authors that quote we can usually tell a suicide attempt this didn't look like one to me, end quote. So this builds on to the theory that Courtney was trying to build kind of a false history of suicide with him. Like she was playing the long game with this pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Kurt's best friend, Dylan Carlson, who he will be mentioned throughout, so pay attention. He insisted that Kurt was never suicidal at all and plainly stated that the overdose in Rome was indeed an accident. So there's that. In between the time of the overdose in Rome and his death, Kurt returned to the U.S. His home had recently been burglarized. His home was in Lake Washington, in Washington, which I guess maybe is close to Seattle. I haven't, I didn't look that up, but it had recently been robbed. So Dylan took Kurt to buy a shotgun, but the shotgun was registered in Dylan's name because the police had actually, they recently confiscated Kurt's guns. I did not look into why that happened, but that was a thing. Uh, But Dylan, he remained adamant that if Kurt had been suicidal, like he did not, he just, did not think that Kurt was suicidal. And if he had felt that he was, he would have never bought the gun and given it to him. Yeah. Yeah. So around March 31st or April 1st, in that time, Kurt, he was at like a recovery or a rehab center at that time. And he exited 
the the one I think the one I read on Wikipedia made it sound so casual, like he just checked out. But no, it it actually turns out <laughs> that he was at this this recovery center and he left by means of scaling a six foot wall. So good God, he kind wow. of escaped. Wow. And okay. then he bought a ticket back to Seattle. This the Exodus Recovery Center, I think it's in LA or like around that area. So he escaped and then he bought a t- plane ticket back to Seattle. On April 2nd, he was taken by a taxi to go buy firearm shells or shotgun shells. And this day, the 2nd, it was actually also the last time that Kurt was seen by Callie DeWitt, which Callie was Francis's live-in nanny, their daughter, it was her live-in nanny, as well as longtime friend and ex-boyfriend of Courtney. So, Fight. I don't know what kind of dynamics are going on here, okay? I just, I just know the information, that's all. Um, <laughs> that's very strange. Yeah. Yeah. So, on the second... Phone records showed that Courtney spoke to Callie eight times that day. But when she called the private investigator the next day, that was, it was the first day that she she called to hire him. She called him on the third. When she called the private investigator to employ him, she did not tell him that Callie had seen Kurt the previous day. And also, Callie was in their home the whole time Kurt was missing. So... Basically, Kurt got out of this rehab center, and then he's missing until he's found dead, pretty much. Except for Callie, who saw him, like, the first or the second, and no one told anyone. I don't know why. So, the next day, on April 4th, Courtney called private investigator Tom Grant to ask for his assistance on tracking down the person using her credit card. There were, I guess, strange charges on the credit card, and she told him she needed help with it. She called him. And pay, this Tom Grant guy, this is like a recurring thing. Like, a, like most of this information that I'm giving you guys actually came from his investigation. He is the person primarily responsible for the Soaked in Bleach documentary. Like, he's the main character in that pretty much so she called him and asked for his help and then he went to meet her and that's when he found out that she was actually trying to track Kurt down so I don't know why she like lied about the credit card thing at first to get him to meet her I don't know why but this guy what if someone you know is missing why do you go straight to a private investigator? That's what I was going to ask. There was also, I don't know the timeline, I don't know who she called first, but she did file a missing persons report on Kurt. She filed it pretending to be his mom. Like, she called them. And she pretended to be his mom because she felt that they would not take her seriously if they knew it was her. Because at that time, Kurt and Courtney, they were like, I mean, they were super, super famous, but they were also like famously wild cards like everyone knew they were kind of like the whole rock star like uh like tumultuous you know, as fuck yeah like they she felt they wouldn't take her seriously right. 
if okay. they thought that it was her. Yeah. Um, so Tom Grant, the PI, he was actually previously a L.A. County detective, and he left his job with them, but he left it in good standing. He didn't get fired or anything like that. So during his first meeting with Courtney, Tom said that the first words out of her mouth to him were, quote, if you leak this to the press, I will sue the fuck out of you. End quote. Wow. Yes. <clears throat> Let's see what else. When she filed the missing persons report, she also told the police that he was missing, suicidal, and he had a shotgun. So, once again, kind of building on the suicide yeah. thing yeah. with him. Yeah. Uh, Tom Grant, he believed that, like we're saying right now, he believed it was a diversion to paint Kurt as suicidal because he was being set up to be murdered. Mm. So, after that first meeting, Tom was, he was immediately sus- uh, suspicious of Courtney. He did not trust her from that first meeting in person. Um, he found the circumstances were really suspicious, and after that, he started recording every single interaction he had with her, and this continued throughout the duration of his work for her. Like, and pretty much everyone else that was close with them, that was involved with the investigation, his investigation, he recorded everything. Like, there were just hours and hours and hours of tapes. So, according to Courtney... The couple's, their credit card, it was used to purchase two plane tickets through United Airlines, but she did not know the destination for the tickets. They, she said they wouldn't tell her. So, I don't know what that was about. The credit card I read was actually in use from the time that Kurt left the rehab center up until the day his body was discovered. And police still have not confirmed, like, they've not... I guess it says they didn't prove who had been using it. So I don't know. I'm guessing it was probably Callie, the friend ex-boyfriend. I don't know. Mm. I think it, I think it was during that first meeting with Tom. Courtney told him that she planted a fake story in the media that she had overdosed and been hospitalized, hoping that it would scare Kurt out of hiding. And she said, "Quote." All publicity is good publicity. End quote. Uh, mm, uh, I'm not gonna, um, I don't endorse that. No. Tom said, during that meeting, Courtney came across as very controlling and very angry. And he repeatedly offered to go check their home in Lake Washington for Kurt. But she insisted it was a wasted effort, that he wouldn't be there, and they needed to instead check hotels in downtown Seattle. Tom continued to suggest that they needed to set up surveillance at the Lake Washington house in case Court or Kurt, God, I told you guys, in case <laughs> Kurt showed up, but Courtney rejected the offer time and time again. Like, it was like she did not want him at that house at all. For whatever reason. So on April 6th, this was, I think, two days after their first meeting, Tom and Courtney, he told Courtney that he had intentions of mobilizing his search to Seattle or like the Lake Washington area. At this time, she did not argue, but she did decline accompanying him 
due to having business in L.A., which her attorney, Rosemary Carroll, would later say she actually did not have any business in L.A., so she didn't know why Courtney didn't want to go. <laughs> this <laughs> this Rosemary Carroll character, she's, she's, a, she's a recurring one, too, and she's... Yeah, we'll get there. So, <laughs> Tom Grant, the P.I., and Dylan, Kurt's best friend that I mentioned earlier... They went to the Lake Washington house either that day or the next day that Tom, he flew up to Seattle to move the search to Washington. So he and Dylan, they went to Kurt's house, the Lake Washington house, and they both searched the house for Kurt and did not find him anywhere. But during the search, Tom found a bottle of Rohypnol hidden between the mattresses in Kurt and Courtney's bedroom. So, yeah, <laughs> they apparently they searched the house up and down like they there was there was nothing or Kurt wasn't there at all. And that's the same day, April 6th, that Courtney accidentally left her backpack at Rosemary Carroll's house, which we will come back to <laughs> in a little bit. No, let's go into it. <laughs> <clears throat> Tell us. <laughs> so the next <laughs> The next day, Courtney told Tom that Kurt had left a note for her that he had written while in the recovery center. She claimed that he had left the letter underneath her pillow on her side of the bed in the Lake Washington house. And most, like, all these recordings are on that documentary, that Soaked in Bleach documentary, so most of this is literally straight from her mouth. So, on one of the recordings... Tom confronted Courtney was basically like you're lying so he confronted her and he told her that he had found no such note anywhere near or on her bed and this was recorded he, yes this was this was all audio this is all tapes he told her that he and Dylan had searched the bedroom extensively they you know they obviously they pulled the bed apart if they found the the roofies and the mattresses yeah so mm. He told her that they, they searched the bedroom, they looked in that area, and the only thing that they found in the bed was the bottle of Rohypnol. And Courtney, she was adamant in her claims that Kurt had left her a note under her pillow at that house, and she said she'd even showed it to the police sergeant. So, I don't know. And she said he had put it in a big manila envelope, and it had her name on the outside. Which, if you're searching someone's house and you toss over the bed or turn the bed or whatever, looking for something, obviously a manila envelope is going to jump out at you. Like, it's not yeah. small no. by any means. Okay, but it, did she? It, was she saying that she showed the police because he was missing? I guess. Like she showed them I, the note? Would that be anything that they would want to maybe keep? As I have no idea what the letter said. Honestly, I, I, okay, or what it supposedly said, I have no idea. My guess is if it ever came out that that letter was a real thing, Courtney would try to say it was a suicide note. I don't right. know. Knowing her history, hearing all this. So I believe it was that same day or around those couple days time frame, Courtney got arrested. I think it was, like, drug possession or something like that. Of course. Mm -hmm. So, 
Dylan and Tom, they go back to the Lake Washington house again to continue looking for Kurt. And this time they found a two-page letter on the staircase inside the home that had not been there when they were there previously. The note, it appeared to have been written by Callie, and I do have it pulled up here on Google. The note says, Kurt, I can't believe you managed to be in this house without me noticing. You're a fucking asshole for not calling Courtney and at least letting her know that you're okay. She's in a lot of pain. Uh, what does this say? Anyway, she had another accident. Now she's in the hospital again. She's your wife and she loves you and you have a child together. Get it together or at least tell her you're okay or she is going to die. It's not fair, man. Do something now. That was supposedly, I guess it was supposed to be from Callie. So, Rosemary, the sassy attorney, <laughs> she, it was, it was Tom and Dylan that found this note. I don't know, I know that they picked it up and read it, but it's to my understanding that they put it back where they found it. So they didn't take it. I don't know if Tom wrote down or took pictures or what, but... He told Rosemary about it, and she agreed that it sounded like the note was a phony, like fake. And she's on recording as saying, quote, It didn't sound like a sincere letter. I thought Callie wrote it because he knew that Kurt was dead. End quote. So, (laughs) April 8th. Kurt's body is discovered by an electrician who was at the property to install outdoor lighting. I guess like security lighting. According to Tom, Dylan never once mentioned checking the greenhouse during the times they had gone to the house looking for Kurt. Which the greenhouse is not like probably what you guys are thinking. The greenhouse, I guess it was more like a bonus room in like modern lingo. From what I've seen and read about it, it was just a room over the garage. Oh, okay. I think, I think maybe okay. it wasn't, but it, I don't know if it was connected to the house. I was about to or, say, wasn't it separate from like the main house though? I think it was. I think the entrance was like, you had to go up the stairs to the door. Like it was a second yeah, level like, room above the garage. Yeah. And you had like, if, if <clears throat> I remember correctly, like the stairs to get in were like on the outside of it. Yeah. 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 So it was just this over the garage kind of room, but they called it the greenhouse. But originally, reports stated that Kurt had barricaded himself in the greenhouse by wedging a stool against the door. However, a simple push-button lock was all that sealed the room. There wasn't a stool barricading the door. So, if he had been murdered, basically, the person who did it could have just locked the door from the inside and then walked out and left. Right. So there wasn't anything, the stool was not a thing. It was, it was also reported that he left his license out for identification purposes in case he was extremely disfigured. But the true story behind that is that a police officer removed the license from his wallet where it was then photographed. So Kurt, he didn't leave his driver's license out for the you know, whoever right. found him. The gun, shells, and suicide note did not have any discernible fingerprints. And the note appeared to be a forgery. And 
the note, I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, but the note, it's like, I've got it pulled up on Google as well. The first, like, three-fourths of it is, I mean, it's not, like, terrible handwriting. It's just, it looks normal, I guess. It's kind of close together. It's like, it just looks like he's writing a letter, like, no biggie. But the content of it reads like, not like a suicide note. It reads like he's tired of fame and he's quitting the band, pretty much. That's It's nothing, to me, it doesn't read like someone who's checking out. Like, yeah. right. it just sounded like he was quitting music. But then the last part of it, the last quarter of the page or so, it got kind of weird. Like, he wrote this this long, like, poetic thing about, I guess, fame not really being what he thought it was going to be and how it doesn't bring him joy anymore and he's done with it, it's not fun. Um, and then he signs it and he's like, whatever, love, whatever, Kurt Cobain. And then under that, on, like, the last quarter of the page, there's, like, this really wayward handwriting that it looks like it was added on to the note after the fact. And that's when it turns into kind of suicide note territory. Um, The last part of it, he signs it, Peace, Love, and Empathy, Kurt Cobain. And then underneath where it gets all weird, like the, the writing is very strangely spaced and erratic. He says, Francis and Courtney, I'll be at your altar. Please keep going, Courtney, for Francis, for her life, which will be so much happier without me. I love you. I love you. But like I said, it looks like that note, you can, I mean, you can pull up that note on Google Images probably. It's just, it looks very added on. Like, it's like he wrote this thing announcing he was quitting music or quitting the band or whatever. And then whoever killed him added these little pieces after to make it sound like he was going to kill himself. I have a problem. What? Would he necessarily, I I would understand if he was writing a suicide letter and he wanted to address his child that he was leaving behind. I get that. Um, Would he necessarily want to say anything about Courtney, the woman who he was just asking to take out of his will and, you know, possibly separate and get a divorce from? I mean, that doesn't sound like. It's, I mean, it's very possible. Like, they sounded like they had a very high school relationship where it was just polar opposites from one day to the next. I mean, I honestly, you would think any logical human being wouldn't probably speak of their estranged significant other like that. And I don't know. I just can't say. I mean, like, I mean, most definitely, like, I wouldn't, like, if, God forbid, anything happened to me and my husband, I wouldn't say anything disparaging about him in front of Weldon for sure but I don't I don't know that that seems odd to me what's strange to me is that the normal part of the note where it just looks like he wrote it like no big deal there's a piece of it that says I have a goddess of a wife who sweats ambition and empathy and a daughter who reminds me too much of what I used to be full of love and joy kissing every person she meets because everyone is good and will do her no harm and I'm like same as you I'm like 
if they were on their way out, why is he writing that he has a goddess of a wife? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But that's not even the part that looks forged. So it's like he did write that at some point. But if he was murdered and someone pulled that from a journal or something, there's no telling when he wrote that. Right. So, so I, there's I, that. I'm looking. Obviously, I'm, I've pulled it up here. I'm, <clears throat> I'm looking over it now. and It's weird. I, yeah, I see what you mean by by the main text. That looks, like, yeah, like I see what you mean by the first sentence or two, but then after that, it sort of gets very jittery and jittery all over the place. But then the bit the bit that's added on at the end, I see what you mean. It is very like, well, it doesn't match the rest. Is it meant to be there? Is it not meant? And the yes. content of it, I mean, if you even just skim over the first major portion of it, it does not read like a suicide note. It just no. it just sounds like he's done with music, or yeah. at least the fame side of it. It doesn't sound like he's planning on killing himself. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to quit the band or whatever, <clears throat> there's many more ways you can do about it than, well. Mm. I see Amber's pulling it up, too. It's a very bizarre yeah. looking letter. When you look at it. It doesn't... <clears throat> this is... Okay, I'm glad you guys are looking at this because I'm not done with this note. I have a whole, like, section later on based oh, on the note alone. I'll, I'll keep it so, please, please go. I'll keep it. I'll keep it rolling. Um, so, Tom, he went to the Lake Washington house the day that Kurt's body was found. He requested, when he got there, to speak to the lead detective on the case or the investigation because he had been in the home the last two nights before that looking for Kurt. You know, like, if there had been a disturbance of evidence or anything like that, obviously the police would want to talk to him because he had been in Kurt's house looking for him. And he told them that, you know, he had important information regarding the investigation but the lead detective declined his offer. That's... Did he say why? Or was he just sort of said, nah? If I remember correctly, the... So what happened was Tom went to the house. Obviously it was it was guarded off. They had the caution tape up. And mm. there were, you know, regular police officers out front, like, keeping yeah. the public at bay Mm -hmm. and he approached one of the regular police officers and was like hey can i talk to your lead detective i was at this house last couple of nights looking for kurt i've been inside the house i have important information about this case can you see if he'll be willing to talk to me and so the police officer went to the lead detective and told him this guy wants to talk to you he he knows a lot about what's going on and then the detective was like no i don't want to talk to him right now tell him if he wants to talk to me he can call back tomorrow after three call into the office so there's that um sounds kind of pissy yeah they ruled kurt's death a suicide the same day that they found him and i don't know how it is over there but deaths are generally not ruled a suicide until all evidence has been processed and all necessary reports have been completed like toxicology victimology all that um causes of death are also never determined by police or homicide detectives and that's what happened in this situation does it i might be jumping the gun here might be again does it state his did the coroner estimate the time of death 
I think the best that they could guess was that he died on April 5th. I don't know about what time, but that would have been three days before he was found. Yeah. Right. So, April 5th. So, let's see, where was I? So, currently, Tom Grant, he does not, still does not believe that the police were involved in the conspiracy about him being murdered. He does think that the police were being set up by Courtney and her having built a false history of suicidal behavior. Because... Like, like they had already been fooled. Yeah. Pretty much. So, it's like, she gives them this history that she's kind of embellished and then he turns up dead from what looks like a suicide it's like oh duh that's a suicide right like we we've heard about this guy like we knew this was going to happen there were four rolls of film from the crime scene that not they were not developed and sat in evidence for 20 years until 2014 what mm-hmm. so i remember when that shit dropped too yeah and when Tom finally got to talk to the chief or whoever about Kurt Cobain, he, he went to the police and he finally got to talk to someone. That person told him that we, we don't develop rolls of film when it's a suicide. I don't know why, but that's what he was told. So, but evidence that, is evidence. yes, that film was finally developed in 2014, most of which is still not public. They did not make most of it public. I think they released a few of the photos, but not not nearly all of them. I was going to say, was any of it still any good? <laughs> Apparently. But the detective, I don't know if he was detective at the time of Kurt's death, but the one in 2014 detective, Mike Sisinski, stated, quote, it's a suicide, this is a closed case, end quote. All right. But, because of negligent investigation on the Seattle Police Department's part, Kurt was cremated less than a week after being found. The police waited 30 days to process the shotgun for fingerprints. They gave Courtney Love the shotgun to be melted down and they allowed the greenhouse crime scene to be torn down and destroyed. So basically ah, got rid of all evidence. Yeah. So basically this entire if you're on like the conspiracy theory side of this case, all of this boils down to extremely sloppy police work. It's and it doesn't no seem, shit. It doesn't seem like, in my opinion, like they were working for Courtney or like they were in on it too. It just seems like they did not know what they were doing at all. Like they didn't even yeah. like it they just, just sounds like the minimal amount of effort was put forth. Yes. They should so. walk in, see it. Yep, yeah, alright, yep. Yeah, we know what this is. Wrap wrap it up. Let's go home. Yeah. That yeah. I don't and usually when yeah. it's a prominent figure or a celebrity like that, they take yeah. their time yeah. determining and announcing like the cause of death. But no one gave a fuck about grunge kids back then. Kurt was a superstar when he died. Like, for yeah, real. It was the lifestyle he lived it, as well. Yeah. So well, there was also an FBI all... agent who said the easiest way to murder, like, to get away with murder is to murder a junkie. Pretty much. Mm. I mean, how hard would it be to make that look like a suicide? 
But it's, it's oh, so this sad. is my this is my last page. So, in terms of the toxicology report, the toxicology report showed that the amount of heroin in Kurt's system was roughly seventy times that of a lethal dose for an average person, non-drug user. Seventy uh-huh. times. In terms, it was three times the lethal dose for even the most severe drug addict. And a lot of the forensic people interviewed for Soaked in Bleach, they said never in the history of, you know, documentation in terms of these kinds of things has someone taken that amount of heroin and, you know, been able to do something after such as you know, picking up a shotgun and killing themselves. I was about to say, say, would would he even have the capability? And in the Kurt and Courtney documentary by Nick Broomfield, he apparently interviewed or asked some forensic pathologist, something or another guy about it, who did his own experiment. And, like, he... He gave a patient or something, like, the same amount that Kurt had. And the guy was like, balancing on one leg and like it was totally possible that kurt took this amount of heroin and still did that but the problem with that was that this doctor was using methadone not heroin and he gave it to him in a pill form which kurt he used needles so it's intravenous it's an immediate effect right it's not you know waiting around for something to happen (sighs) so yes none and there's also, according to the forensic pathologists, their combined studies showed no correlation between heroin and suicide. Which is also something I've heard. I've like I've heard from I've seen and read like former heroin addicts. They're like, no, that's like the last thing you want to do whenever you're whenever you're high on heroin. Like you feel so good. Like you don't want to kill yourself. Hmm fucking Nikki Six Heroin Diaries. That's a good book if you've never read it. I like how good I said, plug. Mm, good like, plug. I'm in, like I'm agreeing, like I know what it feels like <laughs> to go on heroin. Like I, <laughs> I do have some additional notes, but I think I'll just do those at the end. So, I'll get into the suicide note first. <laughs> so, back out. <laughs> there was an article run by Us Weekly like, right after Kurt's death. And it supposedly contained a quote from his suicide note, and they quoted it as saying, I can't live my life like this any longer, end quote. But that phrase was not in his suicide note. And the only people at that time with information or access to his note were Tom Grant, Courtney, and the police. So Tom thinks that Courtney leaked this quote to the press to further push the suicide narrative. Yeah. Uh, Rosemary, she was quoted as saying, that suicide note is a pastiche of things that he had written before and of someone copying his handwriting. This is my theory. And it's a lot of intuition. I think all of that weirdness with Callie living in the house for several days while there was Kurt's corpse in the other place, I think it had to do with the suicide note. I mean, this dude, if you if you think about it, if you think about everything I've told you, that guy, Callie, he was living in the house when Kurt was dead in the greenhouse. 
Mm. This dude somehow didn't notice a shotgun blast when he's living in the house. And I mean, it's kind of a hard thing to miss. And you said you said that they did what in the greenhouse? Did you specify what the greenhouse was used for? From what I heard, it was just a a nothing room, like a junk room, I guess. I don't I don't even know that it was used really for anything. Almost like an attic situation, I guess. I don't know that they regularly. I just used don't it. understand. Like if you if you know that you're looking for this person and if you claim to have looked in that house you would check every fucking inch of it. You Which, would go in the garage. You would go in the green. You would go through any nook and cranny that you knew about that house if you were truly looking for someone. Yeah. That's why the Dylan thing is kind of problematic because Tom didn't know what he was looking for. He's a private investigator. It was his first time at the house. They went on a really dark, rainy night. And it has been confirmed by other people who like went out and like tested visibility of that house at night if you went at night like pitch black and it's raining the greenhouse doesn't jump out at you like it's not something easily visible so for tom grant to have missed it it's like not a big thing but the dylan thing is just it's weird it's like oh, i'll get into that in a second let me i'm gonna go ahead with <laughs> um courtney at first was not willing to give up the suicide note and Tom ended up having to trick her into giving him a copy of it. Uh, so, in terms of her backpack, her forgotten backpack, who remembers oh, that? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I do, I do, I do. So, Rosemary, on recording, admitted to Tom, and these recordings of, of this specific situation with her, like, she sounds, like, frantic. Like, she sounds, like, totally freaked out. I encourage you guys to listen if you have the time but she told tom that courtney had left her backpack at rosemary's house on april 6th rosemary went through its contents and found sample sheets where it looked like courtney was practicing forging someone's handwriting (gasps) she noted that courtney had also jotted down on a random corner of the paper get arrested which is what she did while Tom Grant was searching for Kurt. Almost like a checklist sort of thing. It's like, get arrested. Yep. That's going to be my alibi. Yeah. What the... F- ah, this sounds so, so, so wrong. So, when Rosemary realized that Tom had been recording their conversations while she had expressed doubt about the suicide, she said, quote, oh, shit, that's just my theory, end quote. And then she hung up. And then <laughs> after she told Tom about finding the forgery samples and her theories, um, she denied providing assistance and information to Tom. Why How can you deny it? It's, he like, had it recorded. Like recorded. he had yeah. so much <laughs> recorded from Rosemary. Um, and then her office sent Tom a letter threatening a lawsuit and possible criminal prosecution. And Tom responded and like urged her 
to talk to the cops, like talk to the authorities. Because you guys, I don't know if you know or not, but after Kurt Cobain killed himself like that, there were a number, there were a slew of copycat suicides. I guess, I don't know if it was a lot of young, like young adults or teenagers or whatever, but there were a lot of suicides that happened after that. And the suicide notes would make reference to Kurt Cobain lyrics or, you know, something along those lines. And to date, well, as of 2015, when Soaked in Bleach came out, there were at least 68 copycat, like known copycat suicides. So he's like urging Rosemary, go to the cops, tell them what you know, like let these kids stop killing themselves because they think that this their idol yeah. killed himself the same way like put an end to this pretty much mm. fuck that's heavy uh, yeah yeah i haven't even gotten into my additional notes yet don't worry so <laughs> i need a refill heidi harrelson is a forensic document examiner she examined Kurt's suicide note in comparison with Courtney's practice sheet, and she did deduce that some of the letters on the bottom of the note, the suspicious part of his note, were the same as some of the letters Courtney had written on the practice forgery sheet. Okay, as someone who's only been looking at this for just a few minutes, I already can like kind of see that like some of the letters don't match up. Right. And if you, you can probably Google that sample sheet from Courtney. If you look at the sample sheet, like a lot of her letters do match up with that last portion of his note. So that's it for the note. So I just, some additional things. Tom Grant said that most of the time he spent with Courtney, she was either already high or she was actively doing drugs or shooting up, whatever. He said that she spoke of divorce often. She told him if Kurt divorced her and there was a custody battle, she would win with ease and that Kurt wouldn't even put up a fight. She also told him that she did not trust Callie and that he was one of the best liars she had ever met. So it's like, why the fuck are you leaving your infant daughter with him then? Mm. Weird. According to Rosemary, dear confused Rosemary, (laughs) she heard Courtney tell Dylan to check the greenhouse the first night that he and Tom went to Kurt's home. She overheard, I guess, them on the phone. She, She heard Courtney tell Dylan, check the greenhouse. (sighs) Right. So... Did this she is know? well, I believe Rosemary, but the whatever communication there was between Courtney and Dylan, I don't, I don't understand it because Rosemary's like she told him to check the greenhouse, but then Dylan took it upon himself to not check the greenhouse when he went. So I don't know what's going on there. So another interesting part of the story. So after Kurt was found and you know all that tom went back to the lake washington house to interview dylan who i guess was staying there at the time um he wasn't really expecting courtney to be there i guess (coughs) for some reason but 
Courtney let him in, and he said that she made small talk for about half an hour before he finally got kind of impatient. And he was like, yo, where the fuck is Dylan? Like, I'm here to talk to him. I'm not here to talk to you. Mm. So she went upstairs to get Dylan and came back down with him a little while later. And Tom noticed that Dylan was extremely incapacitated. Like, dude could barely sit up. So Tom was like, are you high right now? Did you just shoot up? Like, what's going on? And Dylan told him that he had just taken heroin in the moments before coming downstairs. So Tom believes that Courtney went up there to encourage him to shoot up before the interview so he wouldn't be of any use during the questioning. Yep. Uh-huh. It's all... Seems very likely. Yeah, it's all so placed conveniently. In the time following Kurt's death, Courtney paid Dylan's rent and gave him money to buy heroin. So, even though he was Kurt's best friend, when Kurt died, Courtney was the cash cow, so his loyalty moved from Kurt to Courtney. Right. And also, after Kurt's death, Courtney later got Callie a lucrative job at Geffen Records. Oh. Yes. Kurt's autopsy was completed the same day that his body was discovered, and its contents were never made public. The same day? Yes. Tom Tom encouraged Courtney, because at one point Courtney did kind of like play or like express that like maybe Callie had something to do with it. She started being like, oh, you know, I've never really trusted him. Like, and I think that he was there when Kurt was in the house and just, I don't know. That's just her trying to deflect off herself. Yeah. And then Tom was like, okay. Right. Allegedly. So (laughs) at that point, Tom was like, get a coroner's report, like, get the official coroner's report, tell Callie to go take a polygraph test, like, we'll figure this out, pretty much, even though from day one, Tom was, like, absolutely not on Courtney's side, even though he was on her payroll, because he didn't trust her worth a fuck. (laughs) So, she said she would do that. Don't blame him, really. No. No. They set a date to meet up to exchange the coroner report. She... She never showed up, and she never gave him the report. So, huh. so we're about to get even more interesting. This is just, it feels like it goes and goes and goes. So, <coughs> when Nick Broomfield was making Kurt and Courtney, the documentary, in 1997, he interviewed a musician, Eldon Hoke, otherwise known as El Duce, which he was, I don't remember the band that he was in, but he was like one of those like shock rockers, like whatever. But he was interviewed for the documentary and he claimed that Courtney had approached him to murder Kurt and make it look like a suicide. He said that he declined the offer, but that his friend, Alan, carried out the contract. Hoke passed a polygraph test by renowned expert Dr. Edward Gelb, who says Hoke absolutely told the truth. Get ready, you guys. It's about to get good. (laughs) A week after Hoke spoke on camera for the documentary, he died after (gasps) being, wait for it, 
run over by a train. Oh, for... Allegedly, Hoke's friend and fellow musician, Alan Wrench, was the last person to see him alive. Bitch. <laughs> Bitch. I, what? Convenient. It was later stated by a former bandmate that Hoke only made those claims as a publicity stunt. Fucking bullshit. No. Nah. Okay. Any publicity is good publicity. Right? Oh. <laughs> For somebody who is learning about this for the first time, it's very cut and dry as to where the hell it obviously stands. It. I didn't even get, like, that, honestly, what I told you guys, it just scratches the surface. There's just so many inconsistencies, and one of the big, big arguments is, I guess, the placement of the gun at the time that Kurt died, which I'm not even gonna get into all that, because I just... That's like one of the most common arguments is the way the gun, he was holding it or it landed or something. And I'm just like, I don't want to get into that right now. Yeah. I, and I mean that too. I yeah, mean, that's, that's just dipping into the science of how it would logically happen. Okay. I wasn't, you know what? I wasn't going to say anything about the gun situation, but just, just a quick, just, just a little gloss over. Okay. He was sitting on the ground. He was holding the shotgun, like facing himself, obviously. And the way it was when he died, he was holding the barrel with his left hand. Like he was, they said it was a vice like grip with his left hand on the barrel. And that gun the exit chamber for the shells was it was on his right side but the shell whenever it came out or whenever whatever it expelled it was on his left side so it did not the trajectory did not match the gunfire at all they said the only way it would have ended up on his left side was if it had hit some sort was of placed. obstruction on the right side and ricocheted, but there was nothing there. That's all I'll say about the gun. That's a much talked about or and very in-depth thing. There. I have a lot of questions, but I will be looking into it myself afterwards uh, because I fired a couple of shotguns. And um, it, it all depends on the model and the make. So, yeah, I'm going to dig into that afterwards. Um, and the fact that, like, I know, like, he was, he was such a humongous heroin user. Like, it was just absolutely insane. I get that. But to, to have taken as much as he did, and then it's like, okay, he... Even his sleeves were rolled back down. It was like he did that, rolled his sleeves back down, put his heroin kit away. Like he did all this stuff and then managed to shoot himself while he was on three times the lethal dose of heroin. And immediately, not even like a waiting period for it to like set in. Like it was just immediate. I just. I don't buy it. I don't either. And I think it was, I don't know if it was when Soaked in Bleach came out or if it was Kurt and Courtney, but one of those documentaries, Courtney, she issued a cease and desist to the filmmaker, which I'm like, I mean, I can see that going either way if you're guilty or innocent, because 
soaked in bleach made her look bad 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 so i feel like i've watched it but i may need to rewatch. i rewatched it today for a refresher course i last time i watched it was a couple years ago and it used to be on netflix but it's not anymore so i had to splurge 3.99 to rent it on amazon prime but <laughs> whatever um oh sorry i'll just google the the weapon it's like that's a hell of a long shotgun. That's exactly they, the first that's thing that another I come They up already with. disproved that. They already disproved because that was another argument. They they already disproved that whole thing. Like they did a whole thing with a cop sitting like he was sitting with the gun, and it it works. But the shell, that's the issue yeah, here. Yeah, the you shell. said the. That's that's why I was look. That's why I wanted to have a look at it because I know not every shotgun expels a shell yeah that's the first thing that came when to you shoot yeah so that's why i wanted to see what it looked like you, and yes it does have the yeah the um, open chamber for the shell to eject out and you said that it's was on yeah, his as you said the way he was would have had to hold it to do it yeah the shell would have the way have gone to his right he was supposedly sitting like he was on he was sitting on the floor with the gun it was like i guess the barrel obviously was up here. The butt of the gun was like between his legs. Right. So like that's how it's supposed. And he was gripping the barrel with the left hand and pulled the trigger with his right hand. But yeah, the shell should not have gone over to his left hand side. Mm. Did this they, is. Did, <sighs> did they say anywhere that the? Did you say previously that the? the exit part of where the shell would come out was on his right side or was it on his did they say anything about that the shell itself was on his left it was on a like a jacket it landed on a jacket on his, on his left, left side. side okay but they didn't yeah. see right okay but there okay. were no obstructions on his right side that would have caused it to ricochet like there was nothing on his right side there was a jacket on his left nothing on his right and the shell landed on his okay. left okay. which the only thing that they could deduce from that landing point was that the shotgun whenever he fired it it must have flipped because that happens not not possible <laughs> not the way that he was not the way the way that he was gripping it when he died it was it didn't flip like he was holding it yeah. the way it was yeah, well, like they, if they said he had a death grip on it then that one, yeah, yeah it wouldn't have gone anywhere it's not moving so yeah. Wow. Mm. That's yeah. That's uh. From like I said, from from hearing about this for the first time, learning everything from from the very beginning. It seems very to me. It seems like Courtney has has played a massive pie in this since way way way. Hey, beforehand. She, uh, so maybe that's where like Callie like need it. to be locked the fuck up. The <laughs> allegedly, the opinion on it is just it's so split. Like he had so many people who were like, he was not suicidal. Like he was a normal person. There was nothing, you know, nothing wrong in that aspect. There was nothing like that going on. And then there are other people who have come forward and they're like, oh, you need to drop it. It was totally suicide. Like, I think <clears throat> not... It, 
his first manager said he was not suicidal, but then there was like another manager later on in the picture who he was interviewed recently a couple years ago and he was like, uh, you guys need to let it go. These conspiracy theories are crazy. It absolutely was suicide. Like I had to talk him down off the ledge before like it, he killed himself. Let it go. So are there any of like his like close family members, like his mother or, you know, whoever that may have like pointed fingers towards Courtney. I mean, I know that Courtney. Oh yeah, I even Courtney's correct, own dad. What? Well, I was about to. Say, I was about to say like I, if I remember correctly, her and her daughter aren't really on good terms now. Well, I don't think I'm not sure why. Well, Courtney has always been a bit of a wild card. I mean, right? Like, I'm mm. sure you remember when we were growing up. It was like she was. I mean, she was showing up to award shows high off of her ass on one thing or another. Like getting on stage, boasting about being sober, but slurring all her words and her clothes being disheveled and her makeup and hair a mess. She's she's been a hot mess our entire lives. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I want to say she's, I could be wrong. This is alleged. I don't know. But I want to say she's lost custody of Francis at least once before. But, I mean, I do keep an eye on Francis on, like, Instagram. She seems like a totally normal 20-something-year-old girl. I mean, for everything she's been through, she came out pretty okay. So Right. But in terms of their family, the the two that jump out at me or that I remember off the top of my head, it was, like, Courtney's dad, or stepdad or dad or some kind of father he thinks that she had a hand in it and then kurt's grandfather he felt like it was not a suicide but there i mean there are a number of people close to both sides that felt like that it was there was some foul play involved for sure yeah i'm definitely feeling more towards the foul play aspects of it Oh yeah, no, there's a, definitely. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a lot of strong evidence there which which Courtney is lucky because it, all the evidence or supposed evidence That's is what circumstantial. I'm like, yeah. yeah, like all of this that you know that we're talking about, it's all very very circumstantial and <laughs> I mean at least within the US you can't convict, you can't prosecute. None of, like, if the physical evidence is not there... Wanna bet? Have you met Scott Peterson? Well, yeah, true, true. I was about to say, uh, all of her evidence might be circumstantial, yeah. but that didn't keep Scott Peterson off of the fucking death it row. Did, it did not. It absolutely did not. You're right. I misspoke. I misspoke. But, I mean, the the, the fact to me that there is just... That it was handled so... It's painted in such a like, 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 oh, this is a divisive way. Yeah, like the fact, like whoever did it, like, because I, because I mean, even in your standard suicide, you know, there are certain procedures and things that you still need to do and you still need to process as correct Mm. evidence, even if it is clearly what it looks like. Like the fact that that wasn't done at all, like, what the fuck. I just, obviously, I didn't personally know him, but based on what I read and the way that he talked about his daughter, I just, you know, he he had spoken about growing up without a good father or a good father figure, something like that, and how he would never do that to his child. I just, I have a hard time believing 
that he would kill himself if he felt like that. I mean, mm. I don't know. I don't know his family history. I don't know if his dad was abusive. I don't know if his dad just wasn't in the picture. But that is something that he talked about where he's like, you know, my dad, he wasn't a good dad. And I cannot imagine, you know, having a kid and not being a good dad to them or doing what my dad did to me. Right. So, And I mean, and I mean, even speaking as someone who me myself personally suffer from depression and shit like that like I totally understand the idea of you know making certain decisions and what you do because of the fact that you haven't you have a child to raise and not a whole lot of people are okay with the idea of leaving their kid without someone yeah I damn I don't know. I've always been fascinated with this one because, like, it it happened right as my memories were starting to kind of take hold. Like, you're, like, three or four years old, and it's, like, you're – that's the first time that you really remember stuff. Like, those are your first real memories from childhood, and that's just always been – that's always been one of those that I've thought about forever because yeah. it's one of my first memories – yeah, no, I think, yeah, like, I, I totally remember, like, seeing, like, I think it was, what, like, Kurt Loder at the time. Yeah. was one of those. Yeah, like, I remember, like, hear like, even hearing his voice talking about it on MTV News. But, I mean, at the time, that wasn't enough for me to, like, grasp and understand, but. <laughs> Ryan's got to pee. I sent you a message for a reason, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> oh poor Ryan. Well, now that it, now that it's out in the open, you guys carry on. I'm sorry, but I gotta just just is, just grab he, the bottle. Is he leaving us to go? <laughs> it's okay he's because I left a couple of weeks ago to go refresh my drink, so it's fine. I am just you know, it's it's really stunning that I'm just picking the most fucking depressing topics ever this season. It's great. And I just pick the weirdest. I'm telling you, like, you guys have it so easy with the <laughs> shit that you picked. Like, the stuff I've done so far, it's just so mentally draining and taxing. And I'm just like, by the time it's over, I'm like, oh my god, my brain, like, hurts and I'm very sad. <laughs> like, oh my and god. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't touched our finale in terms I haven't of either. I yet, mean, it's not something. But I'm... But I, but I am, yeah. I am dreading it. it. I mean, it's not something that like we need to be like putting all of our time and energy into for the next couple of weeks. Like this Kurt Cobain thing, I literally started researching like three days ago. So, no biggie. I'm just not looking forward to it. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah, looking that, forward. That one is going to be yeah. Yeah. I'm we not looking have... forward to my. Oh, I don't want to say it on here. I'm not looking forward to my last episode because that is such a dig. Like, oh my God, that is such a big dig. Which, I mean, I guess we could go ahead and say that. Uh, so because of the fact that we need to. Technically, I know next week it would be me, but it can't be me. Right. So next week should be Ryan. Ryan. What? Hope you're prepared, mate. 
<laughs> Wait, yeah. I'm next week. But it's yeah. Yeah, it, because because me because and, me and Amber are going tandem. Yeah, on the finale because Jess's last episode kind of segues into mine. Yeah, it's a good note to leave on. Well, I w- God, I'm so tired of these dark digs. God, this last one's going to be so dark. That's why I'm saying I'm kind of not looking forward into doing our research. But, I mean, it's got to be and done. What's, what was a topic for next season? <laughs> Man. I was actually, I was like, I was toying with the idea of like, like unsolved, like, I don't know if I should do like unsolved mysteries or unsolved disappearances, but like something along those lines. I was only doing that because there's like a situation here with a missing woman and it's not gotten very much publicity in the media, I guess. So I reached out to her, her uh, Facebook page that they did like this whole Facebook page where it's like, you know, they're making arrangements to have uh, search parties and stuff like that. And I reached out to them and I was like, do you mind if I talk about this in my podcast? Don't feel like it's gotten a whole lot of attention or as much as it should have. So I'd like to get the word out and they have not responded. So So I'm next week. Yes. Then it goes Dougie, then Jess, and then me and Jess will close us out. I'm so not looking forward to mine. God. That's fucked me up because I thought I had two weeks to prepare. No, baby, no, baby, you got one. Well, at least I'm off. Like, I've got nothing else to do. It's like I just told Amber, you don't need two weeks to prepare. I just started preparing mine three days ago. This is me. (laughs) (laughs) He needs extra help. He only has two brain cells, and they live in another country. Ta-da. <laughs> I hope my eyeball didn't do the like the wonky thing when I was reading earlier. I hate that. The wonky thing. Didn't notice. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I have a lazy eye. Oh, I know. And sometimes I have one when I'm like, that. sometimes when I'm like looking at something that looks kind of like I'm, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so I think this will be our longest one, will it? Uh, oh, no. Oh, was it? We're at 1.32, no. the longest one's one Jesus! Eight minutes before you beat it. Did I say a lot of ums this time? Quick, cut it now. <laughs> no. Yes! Don't know. Can't say I noticed. I feel like we're all just kind of brain tired after this one. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. It was, yeah, that was wild. That was a lot to. I did not know, and I did not know any of that. So. But I will say, my final thought. Courtney Love, not in, not innocent in, in, in the least. (laughs) I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what exactly she did, but she had a hand in something. She, my personal opinion, allegedly. She she hired someone. <laughs> I absolutely think that it, she hired someone. Yeah, it, yeah. I don't believe it was suicide at all. No. 
It doesn't sound like a suicide. So, next week on Jarred, we're all going to read a collective email from the Jarred email that Courtney Love (laughs) has issued a cease and desist to us. (laughs) We'll all read it together in sync. It's fine. Oh, dear me. Okay, but let me find out that we have enough reach that Courtney Love even gives a damn. So... (laughs) (laughs) I just... Let me not well, be. Well, if we tag it right, yeah. Let me not be hateful. I just think, I just think it is unfair that she has lived this long and Kurt did not. That's all I will say. We'll put the tag hashtag Courtney Lloyd. <laughs> oh, that's in a there good now. one. That's going in there now. That's a good one. What did you say? So, Courtney hashtag Courtney lied. Oh. So, if anyone wants to use my Amazon Prime, I have rented Soaked in Bleach, and I think it's good for 30 days. Actually, no. It's only good for two days after you start watching it. So, anyway, not the listeners. Don't, listeners, do not, do not fucking inbox me for my Amazon Prime. (laughs) That offer was to my castmates only. (laughs) That's not to any of you guys. It'll be expired by the time they hear it anyway. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be like in the inbox. Like, oh my God, what's your Amazon Prime? No. Um, oh, Amazon's we. Amazon's going, um, why, why are you logging in from 16 different countries? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Why did I even. I just dropped the F bomb for no reason at all. Thank and you, Ryan's Jess. just going to be an like. An unnecessary piece of edit I'm now going to have to go back and do. <laughs> you, sound, you sound a lot like Weldon right now. Fucking. Did, we ever, explain, <laughs> did we ever explain the censorship? Like, to yes. Spotify listeners? Oh, we did? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, just so they're not like, why are they trying to, like, whatever? Okay. Um. <laughs> I wanted to make a joke, but I feel it's very inappropriate, so I'll just make it after we close it out. That's fine. Um, Okay. So you can follow today's cast. I I honestly don't know why I'm plugging any of us, because we do not post at all. Oh, my God. Uh Uh-oh. What the... What... Jarred is sponsored by Five the Gamer, so for all of your multifunctional headset needs, head on over to FiveTheGamer.com and apply Jarred20 during checkout and you'll receive 10% off your order. We're also partnered with XTiffy.com, so for all of your Grand Theft Auto outfit needs, head on over to XTiffy.com for the components for those outfits. Thank you, and we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.